participate. Let's welcome Pastor Mark this morning. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joined with us in Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as people on the internet and those who watch us all over northern Wisconsin. Let's uh, recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you again with us this morning. And a special greeting to those in Stevens Point and Appleton. Our campus is joining by video there. Uh, last Sunday, I was at a church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, and uh, with a wonderful church there, a great church there, Pastor Tim Hatch. Uh, I'd spoken in this church on a Sunday morning. I was there for a Laughing Way to a Better Marriage seminar. Every once in a while, as I travel around, I find people that I just, you just, you click. You know what I'm saying? Just immediately click. And we immediately clicked with the, this guy and his staff. They're all nuts. And, uh, and just had a fabulous time. Um, uh, <laughs> for those of you Breaking Bad fans, seriously, have you seen this? You know the character Skinny Pete? Those of you watching, he's got a guy on staff, Dead Ringer. Exactly. Exactly, with the, the hat and the knit hats up. He was preaching for him yesterday. He still has a knit hat on. Dude, it's July. Anyway, but a fun church. So we were talking and decided, you know, let's get together and, and uh, pulpit swap. So I was with him last Sunday. We were able to connect with you last Sunday uh, via the video stream, which was kind of cool. Uh, and then the deal was, now he comes this Sunday and, and speak for me here. Now, last week, you know, he took us around Massachusetts and stuff. We went to Fenway Park and watched the Red Sox beat the Twins. Any defeat for Minnesota blesses my soul. So anyway, <laughs> and I wonder why I don't get invited over there very often. So anyway, uh, just teasing, relax. Check your medication. All right. So, uh, but anyway, we had fun and, and take us around seeing stuff. So uh, one of the things is we stopped by to get some ice cream. So we go into this place, you know, it's very New england -y. <laughs> Everything's politically correct there. I don't know how they breathe over there. But anyway, so, so we go and we come out and we're licking the ice cream cones and we go, what's wrong with this ice cream, you know? And then it dawns us, he took us to a dairy-free ice cream stand. Now, that's, I'm from Wisconsin, that's just wrong. So uh, we brought him to Green Bay yesterday. We took him to the Lambeau Field, baptized him. He's now sanctified, <laughs> redeemed. <laughs> and uh, we give him some real food here in Wisconsin. This morning he had a banana. He says it's the first healthy thing I've had in 48 hours. So, uh, you know, cheese curds and 
beer battered everything. And, uh, and we, had, we had a lot of fun. Anyway, he's here this morning. Would you please welcome my friend, Pastor Tim Hatch. <laughs> All right, let me do some record setting straight here. I took him to that ice cream place by accident. I was yelping. That's what Yelp does for you. It said four stars, and the place was called Like No Utter, and I should have put two and two together. I'm in Providence, Rhode Island, and there's a Like No Other ice cream place. And so, you know, bringing Mark Gunger or a Wisconsinian to a non-dairy ice cream place is like bringing the Pope to a strip club. I felt so <laughs> terrible about that. I couldn't believe it. I, hopefully, the Lord cleansed me of my sins at Lambeau Field yesterday. I bring you greetings from New England. There are some Christians left up in New England. You can tell them by the amount of facial hair that they have. The more facial hair, the more holy they are. So you people are in for a treat today. And uh, there are a few heterosexuals left as well. And I am one of them. And uh, I have a beautiful wife from South Africa and three children, a 16-year-old girl dying to get her driver's license, a 13-year-old son, and a five-year-old. I like to say I have a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an oops-year-old. How many know that the oops, though, are the best blessings sometimes? The oops from God. Amen. And yes, I went to Lambeau Field. What a beautiful location, beautiful field, beautiful stadium and facility there. And uh, I, I may have been baptized against my will. I am proud to say I am backslidden already and back in my Patriots rooting ways. Um, Five-time Super Bowl champion... See, now I've, just, now I've just guaranteed you will not listen to a single thing I have to say. <laughs> but we're all on the same team in heaven, amen? Yes? Okay, okay, good. Amongst friends, I'll get back to what brings us together and not what brings us apart. Mark chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, would you do me a favor and stand with me as I read this passage? I love to stand for the reading of God's Word. I hope you'll bear with me in that. When we read this book, we are not hearing the thoughts and opinions of a man. We are hearing the thoughts and the word of the living God. Amen. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him, and how are such mighty works done by his hands? They can't believe what they see in Jesus. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And consequently, verse 5 tells us, he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. How many know it's hard to shock the son of God? He was shocked right here. He marveled at their lack of belief, their unbelief, and he went out. And then he went up, went out among the villages, teaching. Just to give you the picture here. He went to church, was dishonored, left the church, and brought his miracles and his teaching to those in the highways and the byways. May that not be the case at my church, at Celebration Church, at all the churches that bear the name of Jesus. May we give honor and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ and see great things done in our midst. Can I get a good amen? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, may we hear your word. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. 
May we see Jesus in him only. In his mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a seat. I want to talk to you about honor in the house. And the title of my message is, What Goes Up Must Come Down. What Goes Up Must Come Down. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, God says through his prophet, and I believe this is a universal principle, even though it is an Old Testament scripture. He says through the prophet in 1 Samuel 2.30, God's saying, those who honor me, I will, say the word everybody, honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. God puts in our laps an opportunity to receive honor from him. How do we get it? We give honor to him first. We put weight into who he is. The word honor in Hebrew is kavod. It's one of the great, um, most used words in the Hebrew Bible. And kavod can be translated honor, but can also be translated weight because in the ancient world, they used weights to balance things out and to declare how much something was worth. And so a kavod would be put on one side of the scale to measure whatever object was on the other side of the scale. And if you didn't have the weight balanced properly, you were an imbalanced scale. And consequently, you didn't get what you were expecting out of that object. But I thought about this, that sometimes we live unbalanced lives in so many areas, in our time, in our treasure, in our, in our talents, in our relationships with other people. And a lot of people want to be balanced. A lot of people talk about wanting to be centered or find themselves or to sense that they are in the right place. And we've got a world, so to speak, that is imbalanced in so many ways, imbalanced in their marriages, imbalanced in their bodies, imbalanced in their minds. Everybody, I don't know about you, but when I watch the, when I watch the news, it seems like everybody is losing their mind. I think the, the best idea is just stay off the news, whatever it takes to stay away from a camera that could get you on YouTube looking like a crazy person. I think that's a good idea. And sometimes we're in balance on our lives because we don't put honor into God. We, we honor everything else. In fact, this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 2, he's talking to a guy named Eli. He was the priest of Israel. And he honored his sons more than he honored God. He cared about what his sons thought more than what God thought. His sons were, the Bible says, worthless men. They slept with women at the, at the temple. They ate the best offerings and gave God the scraps and the leftovers. And, and they really dishonored God. And God says, because you've allowed this to happen in your household, I'm going to bring an end to your house. And he says, listen, don't you understand how this works, Eli? If you give honor to me, I'll give honor back into your life. I don't know about you, but I want honor from God. Anybody with me on this? I want value from God in my life. How does it happen? It starts with us, God's people bringing God some honor. Now, the person who should get the most honor in our lives is Jesus, amen? I mean, he's God the Son, and the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 1 that he shows up in his own hometown after healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons and calming the storm. And he comes to his own hometown and you would think in his, in his hometown he would get honor, but he doesn't. They start to demean him. They start to... They start to look down on him, and, and he can't do any mighty works there. And, and therein lies that eternal principle from 1 Samuel chapter 2, that when you don't honor God, you're not going to get honor from God. And, and they missed out on a blessing that they could have had from God and, and missed out on the honor that God could have poured into their lives because they took Jesus lightly. And so I've got four points with you about 
living with honor for God and how we, we get the, the mighty works in our lives, the balance in our lives, the blessing of God in our lives as God's people. And so if you're taking notes, doing that kind of thing, I encourage you to write it down. If, if not, that's okay. I'm just going to share the points with you. Number one, though, point number one, very simple point. Jesus is worthy of honor. Jesus is worthy of honor. Now, I want to explain this by going to another passage of Scripture. It's actually in Revelation chapter 4. And Revelation chapter 4, it opens with John the Revelator, John the Apostle, the, the Apostle the Bible says that Jesus loved. I'd always, I always thought that was cool. He was the guy that knew Jesus loved him. And he shares this moment that he has in the Spirit. And he hears a voice in heaven. And he sees a door open to heaven. I mean, this is an amazing moment in Revelation chapter 4. John the Revelator is getting a glimpse at heaven. He's getting a peek into heaven. How many of us would like a peek into heaven once in a while? I'm having a rough day, God. Can I get a peek? I just want to know. Is it real? And he opened, the Bible says the door opens and he looks into heaven. And he sees some strange things. I mean, he sees living creatures with eyes all over the place. He sees 24 thrones surrounding this one throne. And on the throne are 24 elders. And all this imagery in Revelation kind of gets us shook up. But the Bible says in, Ro in Revelation chapter 4 that the living creatures never cease. I just want to read this for you. Verse 8 of Revelation chapter 4. The four living creatures never cease to say. I want you to think about this in heaven. They never cease to say. In other words, they don't stop saying in heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then the next verse, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him saying, worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And here's the image that I want you to see of heaven in Revelation chapter 4. In heaven, Jesus never stops getting honor. In heaven, Jesus never stops being honored. And I think about how we so often get caught up in Revelation with the things that we don't need to get caught up with in Revelation. I was raised old school Pentecostal. Any Pentecostals with me on that? And we used to talk about the book of Revelation endlessly, which is kind of ironic because they just did a recent survey the number one book that people in churches want to hear their pastors preach on is Revelation. Con un unfortunately, however, not much luck for the people in the pews because the number one book that pastors least want to preach on is Revelation. <laughs> and so we're at a stalemate here. I'm treading on dangerous ground this morning even. But in Revelation, we like to get caught up in the end times and what's going to happen and who's the dictator beast and the prophet and the antichrist. And then we get into all the speculative nonsense. And this is what we used to do when I was real young in the Pentecostal church. And we would try to figure out who is the antichrist, who is the antichrist. And I was raised in the 80s. And so we figured it out. We figured it out. It had to be Ronald Wilson Reagan. Had to be, how many remember this? 
because he had six letters in Ronald, six letters in Wilson, six letters in Reagan, the Antichrist. We figured it out. I mean, that was, that was what we saw. And then George H.W. Bush said, New World Order, and we all freaked out about that phrase. And, and then Clinton got in, and we were sure he was the Antichrist. And, and on and on and on. Every president, somebody thinks he's the Antichrist. And we're always trying to treat Revelation as if it's like trying to show us who the Antichrist is. And I think Revelation is not a revelation of the Antichrist. I think the revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ that we know no matter what happens on earth that Jesus is on the throne in heaven and hell and high water can come our way, but Jesus is in control of the entire universe. And in heaven, he's getting honor all the time. Now, why does that matter? Because here's what I thought about for your life. Some of us are facing hell in our finances, hell in our marriage, hell in our, in our social life, hell in whatever area that is just completely imbalanced. And I thought, you have the opportunity to bring heaven into your hell. How do you do it? Bring honor to Jesus into that situation. Honor Jesus in your finances. Honor Jesus in your, in your time. Honor Jesus in your marriage. Bring honor to Jesus in your body. The Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we treat our bodies the way God wants us to treat our bodies, it's going to go well for us. And, and heaven, a touch of heaven is going to come into whatever hell we're experiencing. And so Jesus is worthy of honor. But number two, I, I thought about this, um, that the presence of Jesus is an opportunity to show him honor. That when we come into the presence of Jesus, or when Jesus shows up in our midst, we have an opportunity to say, Jesus, we worship you. We gather in this place this morning, and we have opportunity to show Jesus honor. But how do we do that? How do we show Jesus honor in the church? Well, well, some of us make it a real mystical thing so we can do all kinds of crazy spiritual stuff that really doesn't make a difference in people's lives. But here's what I thought. The Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. Are you aware of this? You are the body of Christ. Some of you are hands. Some of you are feet. Some of you are ribs. Some of you are mouths. Some of you are loud mouths like me and Mark. We like to shout. And there's all the members of the body of Christ here. When we come into the presence of each other, we come into the physical presence of Jesus through each other. Do something for me for a few seconds. And, and don't do it with me, but do something for a few seconds with somebody else in this room. I want you to take three seconds. Just take a look at a couple other people that are sitting amongst you right now. One, two, three, go. Just take a look. Everybody, take a look. Come on, it's fun when we all play. Just look. All right. Okay, stop because it gets weird. Stop right there. <laughs> but you know what you just looked at? You looked at a living representation of Jesus Christ. I know they may not always do the right thing. I know they may not have it all together. I know they may look a little bit disjointed on the outside depending on who you were sitting next to. But how many know that Jesus is living in that person by faith? How many know the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in that person? That person you just looked at is somebody valuable to God. Jesus shed his blood for that person. And when you look at another Christian, you never look at a normal human being. You look at somebody who is supernatural, set apart for God's purposes, somebody that God's hand is upon to do mighty and great works in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. But the church, and we should be proud we should be proud to be the church, amen. 
How do we show honor to Jesus in church? I always tell my church back in New England, you can take this for what it's worth. I'll leave it with Mark to deal with this after. That's the great thing about being a guest. I can make a mess. He can clean it up. But I thought about how in my church, we tell people, you got to sit in the front. You got to come down and sit in the front. How come the best seats in Fenway Park on the third base line and the best seats in the church are right next to the exit doors? That's not right. We need to give God some praise and some honor and show him that we're excited to be in his house. Because sometimes, friends, the Holy Spirit only goes three rows back. I mean, you've got to be aware of this. I want all that God can give me. Show up on time. Don't, don't treat worship like it's the pregame show. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see in the Bible where it says, hey, the music is optional. Just come for the word. No. The word of God is awesome. Yeah, but how many know it's great to sing and worship our God and give him praise. Over in Fenway, we gave Mark the opportunity to partake in the worship that is Red Soxology. And every eighth inning, every eighth inning between the top half and the bottom of the half, they play a song. Does anybody in Wisconsin know what song it is? No, okay, let me, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about Red Soxology. It's Sweet Caroline. And they play it every time between the top half and the bottom half of the inning, of the eighth inning. And so it goes, you know, Sweet Caroline, the little the verse goes on, and, and then it builds up to the chorus, and, and the whole audience stands up as one and sings the chorus, sweet Caroline, and they all go, oh, 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 da, 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 da. And, they, and they're singing their hearts out. And guess who's doing the loudest singing? Dudes are doing the loudest singing. Dudes that should not be singing are doing the loudest singing. Like they are singing their brains out and it's like what you can sing to Caroline you should be coming into the house of God and singing to Jesus there's no excuse because our God reigns on the throne of the universe <laughs> about honoring God with our finances we have an opportunity every time we get paid to give God honor with our with our money in fact the Greek word for honor tima tima it's actually another word for money. When the Bible says that the elders who teach and preach are worthy of double honor, he's actually talking about paying them. And so in the Greek language, it's actually money to give God the first fruits of our offering. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your wine vats will be bursting. And every pay period, I get an opportunity, you get an opportunity. God gets the honor in my life. What was the difference between Cain and Abel? The Bible says in, in Abel's worship, he gave God the first of his firstborn flocks. And what does it say about Cain? It says in the, in the course of time, Cain gave God some of the fruit of the ground. And, and in the course of time, that's just Hebrew for whenever Cain felt like doing a little something for God. That's what that means. And I don't want to be that kind of person. And God says, look, if you trust me with this, if you put me first in your finances, I'm going to pour out a blessing on your life. And I think about the opportunity that we have every time we gather in the church to worship Jesus, to meet with the people of Jesus. It's not just church, somebody. It's the house of the living God. And we should expect great things to happen here because Jesus is in our midst. 
I was at Lambeau Field, like Mark said, with him yesterday, and as he was trying to convert me, he was bringing me through this tour of the whole complex. It's a beautiful facility, by the way. Very jealous. Gillette Stadium does not have anything on Lambeau Field, I got to tell you, honestly. But... Um, it becomes especially sacred when the Patriots play there. But anyway, uh, they, they brought me through. <laughs> how to guarantee you're never coming back to Wisconsin. This is how you do it. Um, they brought me through, and I saw that they were mowing the grass. They were mowing the grass. And, uh, and, and, and then they explained to us. I said, well, how interesting that we're here while they're mowing. But then they explained to us, they mow the grass every other day. Every other day. Does grass even grow that long that you have to mow it every other day? Apparently it does at Lambeau Field. And I thought about, this guy was sitting there on the riding lawnmower going up and down, up and down. And they told us they go up and down this way. Then they go up and down the other way. And I'm like, it's already mowed. Why do you got to go the other way again? And I thought about, here's what they're doing. You know what they're doing? They're showing honor for that ground. They're showing honor for the place where the great football players of the past and present have played. They honored this guy riding that lawnmower, man, smile on his face. He was happy as a clam. He was excited to be down there. I actually was jealous of this man. It's the first time in my life I've ever been jealous of somebody mowing a lawn anywhere. But he was like loving life and he was mowing a stinking lawn. I'm like, please don't tell my wife he does it every other day. She'll expect the same at my house. I'm not into that. But this guy probably doesn't make a lot of money, probably doesn't make Aaron Rodgers money in any sort of fashion, but, but he's loving life. Why? He gets to ride on the ground that is sacred to that football team, to this area. I thought about the church, man, when we gather in this place. This is a place where people find Christ. This is a place where people get translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. This is the place where marriages get healed, where kids find out they can live for a greater purpose than themselves, where you get good gospel teaching and preaching every week that has the power to empower your life and change your dreams and make your life empowered through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when you know God loves you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. That's what's happening in this place. Friends, we are on sacred ground this morning where Jesus is and where he is, anything can happen. That's why we gather in this house. Worshiping Jesus, giving him honor and praise. Number three, honor presents an opportunity to move further with God. And I say move further with God because in the message translation of Mark chapter six, it says, it says it's so great. I love the message translation, Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible. He says, they tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling. They tripped over what little they knew. Some people in, in America, they just don't know enough about Jesus yet. Some people just go through church because, go to church because it's just what you do. I always like to say that church, sometimes Jesus is as American as apple pie. How many know that's not a good thing? Like it's just, he's just part of the, he's part of the background noise of our community or our, of, our, of our national context. We still even have, you know, in God we trust on our money. We have it in our Pledge of Allegiance. It's everywhere in some respects. As much as we Christians like to complain, it's still very much a part of the, the national discourse. And sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. And we get too familiar with Jesus. And we forget who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do someday when he comes back. 
And when we get more familiar with Jesus, we tend to lose the honor. Sometimes we get saved. We're so excited to be a part of the kingdom of God. We're so excited that Jesus has saved us. We're so excited that we're born again. We're in the body of Christ. We know where we're going. We know our past is forgiven. And we just love coming to church, love being with the house of God, love being here. But if we're not careful, we'll, we'll fade in our ad, adoration and in, in our honor for Christ. It's like the, like the 10-year marriage plan. You ever hear about the 10-year marriage plan? Here, here's the way to guarantee your marriage will last 10 years. Year number one, the wife gets a cough. And the husband says, honey, I'm going to take you to the hospital. I'm going to get you checked in. I'm going to make sure you're okay. I'm going to make sure you're comfortable. Then I'm going to go home. I'm going to cook. I'm going to clean. I'm going to do laundry. I'm going to make sure your bed is ready so that you can come back. I'll pick you up. I'll bring you back. Put you in the bed. You can sleep all day, all night. I don't care. Just get better. Year three, the wife gets a cough. The husband looks at her and says, honey, I'm going to go down to the pharmacy. I'm going to get you some cough medicine. I'm going to bring it back, then I'm going to make you some chicken soup. Make sure you're comfortable. Give you the bed. I'll sleep on the couch tonight. Make sure you get better tonight. Year five, the wife gets a cough. The husband says, honey, why don't you go down to the pharmacy and get yourself some cough medicine? Year number eight, the wife gets a cough. Honey, can you keep it down? I'm trying to watch the game. Come on, familiarity breeds contempt. That happens in all of our lives. We never want to be those kind of people with the church, though. We don't want to be those kind of people with Jesus. When we gather in the name of Jesus, we gather in the presence of a spectacular being, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He has authority over every demon of hell. He has authority over every governor, every state house, every legislature. He has authority over Donald Trump. For some of you, that's good news. For some of you, you're not liking that news. But how many know no one, no matter who they're elected, no matter what their position, is subject. no one is over the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and every leader of our country is like a like in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ and he's doing what he wants no matter who's in charge because he's Lord we trust in that we put our faith in that as a Christian you never have a right to freak out because you know who's truly in charge you know he's leading this, this world the way he wants to lead it. I know he's dealing with sin. He's using all the sin of the world to, to, to bring about his goodness. He's using all of our mistakes to bring about goodness from them. Our Lord is in charge. When we gather in this place, we gather in the presence of the one who holds us in the palm of his hand. And so when the world tries to shape us into its mold, we don't bend because we know who holds us in the palm of his hand. It's, it's, like a, it's like a proud thing as Christians, amen? It's like a proud thing to know I'm born of the Spirit. I'm not going to freak out about all this stuff that's happening, fake news, real news. I don't have to worry. I know the end from the beginning. I've read the whole book. I know in the end Jesus wins. That's all I need to worry about. It was at Packer Stadium yesterday. Oh, man, what a, what a, again, beautiful experience. Absolutely. I was baptized, backslidden back to the Patriots. But anyway, they, they, they had us do something in the stadium that challenged me. They stood during this tour. They said, all right, we're going to do something that happens here every time the team plays. On the count of three, this little tour group of mine. They said, on the count of three, everybody shout out, go, Pack, go. <laughs> now, as a, as a New Englander, this was like... This was hard for me. I didn't want to go there. I felt like this would be like, you know, becoming somebody other than a Christian for me. I don't know. 
And so I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, how do I get out of this? I'm like Daniel in the lion's den. What am I going to do, Lord? And the Lord finally gives me something to do. And so they said, out on the count of three, one, two, three, go, Pat, go. And so one, two, three. And I said, go, Pats, go. And I used that moment <laughs> to guarantee you will never invite me back to this church. But I proudly stood for what I believed in. You know, as Christians, it's going to be more and more that we're going to have to learn how to proudly stand for Christ. Not, sh- not ashamed. What do we got to be ashamed about? We're, we're going to heaven. We're on the way. And God is going to work in all things for our good according to the purposes that he has planned for us. And nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. What have we got to be ashamed about? We should be the proudest people on planet earth. Because we know he's in us. We know he's with us opportunity to move further. So anyway, they trip over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling, and then they never got any further. And the Bible says he could do no mighty work there except lay hands on a few sick people. And them, they missed out. What could he have done if they had honored him? What could they have done if they gave him the respect that he is worth? And so too in 21st century America, what could God do in our country? What could God do in our neighborhood? What could God do in Wisconsin and New England when we give him first place in our lives? We're looking at mighty works coming our way. I don't know about you, but I want God to do mighty works in my life, in my family, in my children. I want God's angels surrounding my children. I pray every day, Lord, make them into great members of the kingdom of God Help them to change the world in Jesus' name. I like to say I'm, I'm sowing seeds of God's goodness into my children every time I pray over them. I'm teaching them that, that they got nothing to be ashamed about. Being a Christian is a wonderful thing. And to live with pride in who you are in Christ Jesus because he is worthy. And then number four and finally, honor for God is an act of faith. It's really an act of faith. Like, you, you're not going to feel it. You just got to do it. You can't wait for the right moment. You just got to do it. And, and, and here's what it says in Mark chapter 6, the last verse there. It says, he marveled because of their unbelief. And Jesus does a little equation there. He says, here's what honor is. Honor is an act of faith. Because when they dishonored him, he says, this is unbelief. You don't trust that I'm in charge. And it's like, what do I got to do? I calm the storm. I cast out demons. I I healed the sick. I raised the dead. You can trust me with whatever situation you're going through. Honor him. Stand up and trust him and, and put him first and watch. What goes up in your life will come down. Starts with honor. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that the Spirit of the Lord will work in our hearts and in our lives to bring honor to the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to remember that we are your people. We are sacred. We are holy. We are chosen, and we are anointed by you to do great and wonderful things in our communities, in our homes, in our families, in the church. May the honor of Jesus go up, and Lord, may we see the honor of Jesus come down. In his mighty name we pray, amen.